I, you know, let me just actually start with this, man. Being that involved in an event like that, a spectacle like that, the eyeballs of that, I like you felt anyways from the outside so excited to be there. You delivered like a wrestling promo for Tyron Woodley, which was incredible. <laughs> you just cut one with the y'all must have forgot. Your energy was through the roof. You're tweeting up a storm. Like that must have just been something being there, man. Oh, honestly, um, I keep, and I, you know, I don't know if this makes me e egotistical or whatever. I keep looking at the no. pictures and the videos because I don't believe that that actually happened. Like, I don't yeah. believe that I was actually a part of it the way in which I was. Um, you know, I've been a part of things, but I'm sort of always the ancillary guy, you know, the pre-show guy, the post-show guy, the podcast guy. And all those roles are great, but I've never been, like, in the actual mix, in the broadcast, in the freaking ring. Like, I've never been in those moments where we're, we're seconds away from the walkout, and there I am talking about it. Um, and, you know, I've been dreaming of that. I've watched that moment a million times. I've watched it at home as a kid. I've watched it uh, as a teenager, and I've always thought, how would I be in that moment? And then you start to think to yourself, like, mm -hmm. can you even do it? Are you as good? as the other people on TV. And so, you know, I'm proud that I got it. I'm really, really, really thankful and grateful. It was just a one-off. You know, they wanted to have, you know, MMA people involved um, and, you know, me being a part of the MMA community, if you will. Uh, they, they, they granted me this opportunity. I'd be lying if I didn't say I want to do it more now. Uh, I'm like, when's the next one? Um, because now I know that I could do it. And, you know, I've watched so many of those post-fight interviews and I hate when they go long and I hate when the interviewer tries to flex and show that they know like to me, like those interviews are the best when you get in and get out, you ask the quick question and then you're out and it's not about you. And then there's chaos. And I've watched those chaotic boxing post fight interview moments forever. So man, I was having a great time. I'm happy that people could feel that I was having a great time. I was just so excited to be there. And the thing was like, it was a one-off in my mind, so I was like, just let it fly, man. Just like, what's the worst that could happen? Represent, be yourself. I'm sitting next to Mauro Ronaldo, a Canadian-slash-combat broadcasting legend. I, f I truly felt like I had won some sort of fantasy camp contest, and I just got to hang out there with those guys, and now I go back to reality. So, yeah, it was, I mean, no hyperbole, probably one of the like, top three best nights of my career and something I'll never forget. Yeah, no, man, you absolutely belonged, and uh, I thought you did a great job. I also think that that's a natural – so imposter syndrome I think is very, very, very common in our business and media business in general. But I actually believe that the people who have it are the ones who actually have the ability to go out and execute because you know what it takes. Like you're able to look at people – that do the job successfully and identify the traits and the qualities that make them so special and you don't just automatically assume you can go out and do it. I know you've met people in your career because I've met people in my career where you ask them about doing a certain job and they go, oh, it's easy, it's easy. And you're like, it's not easy. It's actually really hard. Mm. It takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of sacrifice. And if you think it's easy and you don't have that imposter syndrome, 
then you're going to suck and you're going to get exposed and people are going to look at you and say, why is this person there? And I think that having imposter syndrome to a degree is actually really healthy. It's a good thing to try and evaluate the things that maybe you need to work on or the things that you can't do or the things that make other people great. It's just that if you do prepare, you do identify those things. You don't let them just kind of, you know, cripple everything around you and, and, and debilitate you. If you can actually take them and apply them and get into the moment, once you're actually in it, I'm guessing that you felt comfortable the entire time. Like once you were in that moment and you were doing these broadcasts yeah. and you were with those people, my guess is that there wasn't a time where Ariel Hawani was thinking, oh my God, get like, the, turn my mic off, go back to Big Cat and Portnoy missing every bet of the night. Like, please, <laughs> just somebody take anything off, like the pressure off me. It's, I, I just think that it's a good, healthy thing and that, that all comes through in the wash. A hundred percent. You know, I, I was definitely nervous at the beginning only like not on air, but you know, the beginning of the day, your heart's beating a little more and you kind of want of the day to, to speed up and all that. And I think that's all well and good. I'll tell you when I did sidelines for the first time, mm -hmm. um, I was way more nervous because, you know, this is me kind of entering another yeah, world yeah. here. It's like, Oh, Tyron Woodley. Yeah. I know this guy, like no one knows Tyron Woodley better than me in the media. Um, and Jake Paul, I've gotten to know, and I, and I know the fight game and I've been around, you know, big events and I've watched big events. And it kind of it kind of occurred to me like, look, they were telling me before, okay, we want you to host the weigh-ins, and then we want you to do in-ring interviews, and then you're going to be mm -hmm. in the booth in the middle of the fight as the third man. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself, like, this is no joke. I was like, do they know I've never done this? Like, I know I'm 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 kind of all over the place. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe and, not. And so I was like, yo, I can't believe that they're letting me do this. Now, yeah. I'll be honest, I want to do it. I just, you know. The UFC controls the broadcast. There's no way I'm sniffing that. You can't do this job as a journalist in MMA because in MMA, for whatever reason, the way it's been set up, the promotions run the broadcast. In boxing, you can do it because the networks run the broadcast. The boxing broadcast, for those that don't know, is a lot more like an NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL broadcast where you know Elliot Friedman doesn't work for the Canucks. He works for Sportsnet. And so that's a lot easier for a journalist to be a part of. Of course, there's always going to be issues when you're working for the broadcast, but it's impossible. You have to work for the UFC. You have to work for Bellator. So that's why it's been very hard for me to get these opportunities. And so to be in this moment where it's, you know, an MMA guy who I know next to familiar faces like Morrow um, on a stage like this, on a night like this, and I just said to myself, you know what? Yeah, you never did it, but you watched it a million times. So just fake it. And the one, and like once you, once you do it like for five minutes, it's going to be natural. So when I walked in there for the first interview, Tommy Fury, I was like, I feel like I've done this before because I've watched it so many times and just ask simple questions in and out and then go back. And man, it was just so much fun. I was sitting there ringside. There's sweat like flying all over the place. I had to totally block out COVID, like, you know, cause I'm a bit of a germaphobe and I was like, just block this out. Pray to God that you'll be okay. I'm sitting next tomorrow and, uh, and just let the good times roll. And man, it just, I can't, I can't, I, st I still feel like I'm on a high. I slept for sure. one hour after, and then I went, I flew home and I went straight to do my show for three and a half hours. And like the adrenaline, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even stop after. Like I didn't crash because I still feel like I'm on a high. 
No, yeah, man. It. Uh, I, I will say though that when you're like, oh, I got to fake it. It's like, yeah, you do interview all the you know biggest people in the sport. <laughs> you did the MMA hour the following day, and you know you you're just always like banging out the top guests in the world do do that show. So I don't think that it's like a whole like, oh wow, what an imposter here talking to fighters. This guy's never done this before. But yeah, no, it was great, man. The broadcast was great, and I will say so. I am someone who I don't know has had a weird time reconciling with these promotions and these fights where some of them have been so atrocious and some of them have been so awful and it makes me sad at times because I wish we had more cards that you know didn't involve celebrity boxing or didn't involve you know 45 year old Mike Tyson like how old is Mike Tyson at this point like these seem yeah. to still be the main events for something. boxing Right, and but this was fun, and I did enjoy this, and I thought the fight actually was a little bit better than I thought it was going to be. I'll be honest; like I thought Woodley was going to look worse. I thought he acquitted himself better than um, I expected him to. I thought he was going to get knocked out because my theory was essentially this dude is not going to know how to position his feet like a boxer, and he's going to fall into bad habits. And I thought maybe that that happened a few times when he was tying up Paul where I thought maybe he's trying to get into a grappling match. But either way, I thought he did better than I expected. He rocked him. He talked a lot of trash. Um, that said, I'm at this point now because boxing has dropped the ball so hard and we get so few of these events where everybody's watching and there's this you know, communal viewing experience, right? And it is with boxing, even if it's not its best version, that I want them to continue. And I can't believe that I was disappointed at the end of that fight when Paul hinted at him not wanting to fight anymore. And then Woodley <laughs> gets up in his face and obviously he wasn't going to back down. And then he says that he's a retired boxer on Twitter. And I can't tell if this is promotion, if this is a guy who's just trying to build it up so that it becomes even bigger because it becomes another story that he's done. And will he come back or whether this is genuine? What, what's your read in the moment on this? No, no, he's going to fight again. I think it was just the guy. Look, the fascinating thing about Jake Paul is, you know, I'm sure I've talked to you about this. I've talked about it when talking about Conor McGregor and other fighters. Most fighters get into the fight game to get rich, right? I mean, yeah. it is about the money. Whether we like to say it's not about it is about the money. It's prize fighting at the end of the day. The yeah. belts don't mean anything unless you're getting paid. And so they all look for that payday. They all look for that lifestyle that they're you know dreaming of when they're growing up, humble beginnings and all that. And then what inevitably happens is once they start to get really rich, unless you're Floyd Mayweather, who never really fell off, like your career starts to fall off as well. The satin sheets, Marvin Hagler line, all that. This guy, Jake Paul, is coming into the fight game as a multimillionaire. He's doing it the reverse. So he's trying to figure, he's trying to find out who he is. And, you know, he was talking about the bullying thing. I thought that that was really interesting. Like he's trying to change who he is. And I respect that. But, at some point, you're going to say, hey, I got all this money. Do I really need to be getting punched in the face? Do I really need to go eight rounds with a guy as tough as Tyron Woodley who makes no mistake? Like, you know who he is. I don't care if it was his boxing debut. He's really freaking tough, you know? And so do, do I want to go through a training camp? Do I want to cut weight, all this stuff? So I think he had a moment there. It was like, damn, like, do I really want to keep doing this? Um, but he, he will keep doing it. I mean, he's making so much money. He's become such a big deal. I don't know how you can't respect him at this point. Like, I don't know how you can honestly say with a straight face that he is not a fighter. Is he Canelo? No. Is he pound for pound? Is he, is he Terrence Crawford? No. But that man stepped through the ropes in a ring in front of 16,000 people and went eight rounds with Tyron Woodley, former UFC welterweight champion. Tommy Fury 
fought at the beginning of the night, went four rounds with a guy who's 135 pounds, 145 pounds. They were fighting at 180, and the British, British Boxing Commission said he couldn't go past four because they would sanction him if he came back to Britain and tried to fight there. This kid who only has four fights, three pro, one amateur going into this night, went eight rounds with Tyron Woodley, took his best shot, almost got knocked out, kept on coming, and won fair and square. Like, how do you not respect that? So I don't, I think we'll see I don't him again. know. I want to move on to Woodley and MMA, though, because this is the other point of it that I, I wanted to ask you about today. Is like Woodley, again, it was like good and bad for him in the sense of I thought he was tough. He didn't take any damage. He landed some big shots. His name got out there. He gets a payday, a guy that's been overlooked a lot of his career. Like, good for him, happy for him. But I also thought at the end, the desperation of trying to run it back after he clearly lost kind of looked bad, and then the tattoo, and it was just, it was a little bit clownish, and I know it's in the moment he's heated and whatever. I'm not as concerned about him, though, and his legacy, because I think Woodley is what it is. To me, it's more about, like, what this actually means for MMA. Like, these fights happening where guys like Askren go and guys like Woodley go, dudes who are, you know, real names in mixed martial arts, stepping into this arena where we all kind of understand if you're, like, close to the fight game, right? Like, we get there's a difference between boxing and MMA and blah, 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 blah. But for just kind of the general consumer, do you think that, you know, the UFC likes this, that they like seeing one of their champions lose to a Paul brother and kind of, like, the implications that you can draw from something like this and, you know, the, the caliber of fighters that you're watching in the UFC. Again, I'm not talking about the diehards, right? I'm talking about just, like, the overall business impact on the UFC, Bellator, and mixed martial arts. No, I don't think the UFC likes this at all. And uh, the only reason why a Woodley can fight is because he just left the UFC. They are not offering mm-hmm. up. First of all, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the UFC in particular, and let's talk about the people involved in this particular fight. Jake Paul, who's been, mm-hmm. you know, going after Dana for quite some time. Tyron Woodley, who has never seen eye-to-eye with Dana White. Um, mm-hmm. Ariel Helwani, Steven Espinoza. Like I, like, I feel like this was some sort of fever dream for uh, the brass. Not exactly their favorite human beings. Um, so they're not big fans of Showtime and all this stuff, and I don't think they want anyone... You know, look at George St. Pierre. He, he was trying to get that Oscar De La Hoya fight, and, and Dana essentially said to him, look, why am I going to offer you up after everything that we invested in you um, to then have Oscar De La Hoya beat you. Now, I think it's crazy if Oscar De La Hoya beats for St. Pierre in a boxing match. Like, I think it doesn't take anything away from his legacy or, you know, the UFC brand, but this is the way they think it and think of it, and they don't want anyone saying, like, oh, boxing or Jake Paul or anyone else is beating the UFC. So they're never going to take part in any of this, and I, I'm sure they wish it would all just go away, but I think this is great. Look at the numbers that came out. Now, you never know about the purses, if they're legit or not, but I can assure you Tyron Woodley made more money on Sunday than he ever made in his UFC career, ever. Mm-hmm. And he's a champion who fought in five title fights. That's crazy. But now, all of a sudden, make no mistake about it, every fighter is like, okay, maybe the stranglehold is getting a little, little, a little less tight. You know, Maybe there's opportunities now. Maybe there's life after the UFC. Because who would have thought when Tyron Woodley got submitted by Vicente Luque in the first round back in March that he would come back and fight, period, and oh, by the way, get the biggest payday of his life. That was not, like, it was sad, you know? Like, everyone thought that that was the end of Tyron Woodley. And so I think this is good if, if, you know, obviously if you're not making a mockery of yourself and all that and you're able to actually promote and get people emotionally invested in the fight, that's great, and it's not going to be for everyone. 
But uh, no, this this I want more of this. I want more options. I want more MMA promotions. I want more. Bo- I hope there's more MMA boxing matches. Vitor Belfort's mm-hmm. fighting Del Sign me up. Anderson Silva's enjoying a, a renaissance. Sign me up. Like I just want these guys to get paid because maybe it's maybe it's I'm too close to the sun. Maybe I know how the sausage is made. None of them have money, man. Like they they put their lives on the line for us, our entertainment, and they're left with nothing. And they're left with nothing. At my age now, I'm 39. I feel like I'm just starting my career. They're left with nothing after these fights at 39. And so I say, please, pay Tyron Woodley, yes. pay everyone. Let's do all these fights. And I don't care if the UFC likes it or not. Tough luck. You, you squeezed everything out of these guys, and then you unceremoniously left them out for pasture. Couldn't even get a tweet thanking them for their services. Couldn't even get a video package. It's like backdoor, kick them out, move on to the next. So... Thank God for these fights. I'm so happy that Woodley got this opportunity. And yes, I agree. Of course, the rematch is not going to happen. Of course, it, it seems like a little bit of desperation in the moment. But do you blame the guy? He's got nothing. He was a UFC champion, and he had nothing to show for it. So I don't blame him one bit. 